Good morning, Middle. Join me in call to worship. Come, let us sing to our God. Let us sing to the Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Come, let us worship before the Lord, our Maker. If you would stand and join us for the opening hymn, Great is Your Faithfulness, can be found in the bulletin.
Please be seated. I'd like to invite um, Robin and Jeff to come up with us on the pulpit. Because today, 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 we get to do one of the rituals in the church that is so powerful to me, to me, is worth getting an MDev just so you can baptize babies. I mean, just worth graduate school, just so you can baptize babies. Friends, because we're such a diverse community, uh, baptism means so many different things uh, to many of us. Uh, for some of us, we've come from traditions where baptism means dying to an old life and rising to a new. For some of us, uh, we understand that we borrowed this ritual from our Jewish friends that is a mikvah of cleansing. For some of us, it feels like a fresh start. It makes us think about making a new commitment. I think to all of our children, baptism reminds them of the joy of water. How wonderful it is to be in the water, in the bathtub, or splashing in puddles, or jumping waves in the ocean, and maybe even an echo of what it's like to be in the wonderful water of our mother's womb. And so today we have the great honor of baptizing Owen Lee, Malcolm, into our community. <laughs> in our tradition, we baptize adults, but we also baptize infants, because we know that God is the one who acts to claim our lives, even when we don't have a language to speak for it. The psalmist reminds us that God knew us from the beginning while we were still being formed in our mother's womb. And even then, God knew, us, knew all about us and loved us completely as God loves Owen today. And so we baptize Owen Lee Malcolm, who is loved by God, even if she doesn't know that yet. Mm. <laughs> Robin and Jeff, will you pray for Owen? and teach her the way of love. If so, say, we will. Will you care for her and shepherd her as God shepherds us? If so, say, we will. Amen. Amen. Middle Church, will you pray for Owen Lee Malcolm, child of God, and be a safe place for her and all of our children, both to grow in faith and in confidence of God's grace. If so, please say, we will. Please join me in prayer. God, we know that Owen is your beloved child. We ask you to care for her <laughs> her whole life long, to watch over her with mercy and goodness, walk with her, shelter her, inspire her, comfort her, always reminding, of your, reminding her of your love. We pray these things in your holy names. Amen. I got to marry Robin and Jeff, and to baptize this little piece of joy from their love is amazing to me. So, Owen Lee Malcolm, today I get to baptize you in the name of God, whom Jesus called Abba, Daddy. In the name of Jesus, who welcomed all the children, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who will be your friend and your comforter all your life long. Amen. Amen. Here's your baby, little family. 
Let's go take a look. Let's go see your people. Those are your people. Yay! Those are your people. <clears throat> Good job. She's going to preach next Sunday, I think. She'll be ready to preach next Sunday. Yeah, she's beautiful. Snuggle oh. oh. <laughs> down. One more hug. Nice. <laughs> there we go. One more snuggle. Thank you. So, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Jackie Lewis, and I'm the senior minister here. And some of you are visiting for the first time. We'd love if you'd raise your hands so we can know who you are and acknowledge you. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Where are you from? Here. Here. Good. Excellent. Where are you from? Wisconsin. Excellent. Where, where are you from? Visitors. Where are you from? Where are you from? South Carolina. Yay. <laughs> and Colorado. Mongolia. All right. There we go. Excellent. And where are you from? Minnesota, Minnesota. Good, exactly. Anybody else that I missed? Yes. Belgium. Awesome. Fantastic. And there are people who are from their couch, from their coffee shop, maybe even from the bar. I'm not sure. But anyway, let's wave to all of our friends who are visiting online, some having a brunch. We're so glad you're with us. God bless you and keep you today. Um, we are really wanting you to pay attention to the programming that we've put together for you in the middle. Every Sunday there's something to do. Education, um, conversations in small groups, um, but we really want you to feel nurtured in that middle hour. So there's food, there's conversation, um, and we hope that you'll do that. After worship, after each worship celebration, there's a time to sit at a table and talk and eat good food. So please do that as well. But I want to highlight that next Sunday is our big Christmas ahead of time worship, a uh, worshipful concert on December 2nd, both at 9.30 and at 11.45. Um, we are filming that. We're going to uh, edit that and put that on a flash drive and deliver it to CBS, and they will broadcast it on December 24th at 11.35 at night. Yay. Excellent, right? Yeah. So I just want to remind you that we're going to film twice. 9.30 will likely have some stops and starts. Um, if you are camera shy, it's going to be okay to sit in the balcony. But if you're on the first floor, you're probably going to be in the shot. If you can come twice, that would be awesome. Wear your Christmas best. Not a whole lot of red, but everything else Christmassy. And I think that's all for now. Um, we're excited. The staff's been working really, really hard. So snaps to my team for all the wonderful ways that they're working on this. And our volunteer choreographers, Kim and Mark and Tade, and just amazing things happening. That's all for now. Um, I think it's going to be a beautiful time to pray at this point. And um, I would like to ask you, often in these morning prayers, we're saying, we're praying, but I'm praying for you, you know? And I'd like you to pray with me this morning. It's Reign of God Sunday at Middle Church. Lots of churches around the country will call it Christ the King. And what that means is a kind of acknowledgement, if you will, that God is on the move, that God is doing things. And we kind of honor or mark 
the, the tikkun alum, the healing of the world, the coming of God's reign, God's shalom, every year on the way into Advent. So today, I want to ask you to do, we're going to have some silence, and then I'm going to ask you to be envisioning what the reign of God is for you. If you're thinking, wow, this is, this is what heaven is like on earth, you know, this is what peace looks like. And I'm going to start us, and you're going to say some phrases, and you don't have to take turns because God can hear you, and then we'll collect all those in a, in a closing moment. Are you ready for that? So let's take a deep breath first. Let that out. And after some silence, we'll begin. God, we have so much to be thankful for and in the spaces where we have yearnings, desires, hopes and dreams, disappointments. We want our dreams to be lined up with your dream, God. Our will to be lined up with your will. Our hope's your hope. So listen now as we, your people, pray our prayers yearning for heaven, God, right here, yearning for peace right now, yearning for the passing of enmity right now. Listen, God, as you hear your people pray. Hear us as we pray for universal housing, peace, grace, Unity. Yeah. 
God, these are just some of the things that bubble up of our souls, yearning to be met with your spirit and blown into justice, rolling down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Hear our prayers, oh God. Hear our prayers, oh God. As a caravan of our brothers and sisters push themselves north to safety and freedom, as so many around the world long for just a safe place to lay their heads, God, we ask to make us light and love in a broken world. Hear our prayers, incline your ear to us, and grant us peace, now and always. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to stand and say the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, I just want to invite two of my friends who are with me today to come and hold my hand. Will they come and hold my hand? These are my friends, Linda Sarsour and Stash Kotler. Yeah. We're all going to hold hands and pray, and I'm putting them in the spot because I didn't warn them. But when, when, when the Tree of Life shooting happened in Pittsburgh, of course, Stosh put her body right down there in the midst of it all. And when Stosh needed a partner to go care for her Jewish family, of course, Linda went. This is what love looks like. Let us stand and pray. Let us stand and pray. Let us stand and hold hands across divides and religiosity and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and we'll pray this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in the way we know it, in the way we learned it, the way it's comfortable to us. Pray now, ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our each other. Peace be with you. Please greet your neighbor in peace. About a thing because every little thing's gonna be alright. And in God's reign, everything will be alright. Amen. Amen. Our, writ our written text today that we're reading from is the math uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse uh, starting with verse 25. 
and going to 33. Please listen to the word of God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Creator knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the reign of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good afternoon, middle. I call this my Baptist preacher's self-restraint device. We're going. 57 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the passage that Bertram read in our hearing, context is, is always pretext, and you need to know that it comes after the majority of what we know to be the Sermon on the Mount. And We know the Sermon on the Mount, whether we know we know it or not. It's that place where we hear that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world and that not to hide our light under a bushel and that, uh, indeed, if somebody harms us to turn the other cheek. Uh, We also understand that in the Beatitudes that are part of the Sermon on the Mount, that uh, the meek shall inherit the earth. But after all of that wonderful discourse that Jesus shares on the mount with the gathered crowd, on how to live, if you will, this this life that, that he represents in its full measure, he concludes that portion with a discourse on worry. Now, I wish I could stand here this morning and tell you that I have the formula that's applicable to us all on how not to ever worry, but by Full disclosure, that's not going to happen. The reality is that anxieties and worries are a legitimate part of our landscape. 
That doesn't mean there aren't ways to tackle this, and we'll talk about that as this sermon unfolds, but it's important to acknowledge that we do indeed have to acknowledge the fractiousness of the times in which we live. I don't know about you, but I just saw the report, the environmental outlook report that was, if you will, strategically released on a holiday weekend so that it supposedly wouldn't garner as much attention as it might otherwise, that basically tells us we're cooked. And the fact is, is that it's not born out of anything other than corporate greed and consummate ignorance about taking care and nurturing this environment. It worries me, even if I may not be around when the majority of the calamity unfolds, but it worries me nevertheless because I think about those who will yet come. I worry about the fact that we are indeed a society in crisis and in alienation. There was another report that I read the other day. It looks like all these reports, I guess, came out when they figured nobody would read them, but the fact that some demographers are upset that the information about the reality that by mid-century or thereabouts, the United States of America will be primarily, by way of majority, a place of people of color. Demographers, amen, amen. But listen, but listen. But, but demographers, some demographers are upset that that information is getting out there because they're worried that it will fuel discontent among those who find themselves threatened by that reality. Well, sorry, not sorry. But the fact is, though, even though we can say that, when, when, when that concern and, and that, 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 if you will, panic is sanctioned and fueled by people in the highest offices in power in this country, not only is it a travesty and a crime, but yes, it has me worried. People can take the lives of others with impunity and think that they're doing something that is preserving their way of life. Julie and I are blessed with two wonderful, wonderful daughters. And while I'm not under any illusion that for any person of color in America there are challenges absolute, but we often talk about the fact that were we to have had a son, what would be the daily regimen on our part of sending a young black boy out into the world? Where again, it's almost, not even almost, the, the reality is what we saw in Alabama just the other day. A life was taken and it was deemed collateral damage. Oh, he wasn't the right person. But the fact that we live in a society where one's life is in peril simply because of the nature of who one is gives me cause for worry and, yes, as Kierkegaard might even say, dread. Okay, so there's a lot out there to worry about. But I come from, and I'm not bragging about this, I'm saying it with humility, I come from good stock. I come from a lineage, a line of people who understood in the face of difficult odds, overwhelming odds, how not to be succumbed, how not to succumb, how not to be defeated. So there's something out here that allows for us to endure and yet 
to even overcome in the face of those concerns and those worries, while even as Jesus talks about them in the passage that was read, the things that give us cause for concern, and we add to them. You heard them even just now in the moment of corporate prayer that we had, so many of the things that you raised. While you weren't necessarily raising them in a, in a sense of anxiety, but you were pointing out the fact that there are things that we must be concerned about. So, I've got to believe that there's a way to navigate through this kind of circumstance. And where is the, the peace? Where is the security? And here we are on the reign of God Sunday. Often, as Jackie mentioned, called by some Christ the King Sunday. But I think more appropriately and more to this moment, we talk about the idea, the pervasiveness of the idea of love and the, pre the presence of a God in the midst of our concerns and our travails. So where is this reign of God? Well, I say that we should look for God's faithfulness, not always in the sweeping big things. But you know, I think Jesus uses the lily of the field and the sparrow of the air in his examples as he's talking for a reason, because I think what he's saying is that these things in their smallness and in their fragility are just as important and just as much the object of divine focus as those things and places that represent power and authority. So I believe that we should take comfort in the fact that God is concerned not just, again, with the big things, but with the small things. And dare I say, in some people's imaginations, the insignificant things. It's good for us to know that if God is concerned about the lily of the field and the sparrow of the air, then God must be in our business too. And I can colloquialize it and say that God is all up in our business. And the good thing about that is that God is in our business not just simply in those moments where we shine and feel good, but God is in our business, in our vulnerabilities, in our cracks, in our fissures, in our embarrassments, in our warts. That's where I want the reign of God to be active. I can shine and look good all on my own, but when it comes to those moments of hurt and pain where I need that measure of support that can come from that divine presence, that's where I trust indeed that God is most present. The reign of God is most powerful in unimpressive places. The broken, the poor, the discarded, the ignored places. Apologies to Isaiah, who in his vision says he saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple and with the smoke and the angels surrounding him. That's all well and good. And in the next several weeks, we will, in the season of Advent, we will talk about the, the oncoming presence of God in the world, if you will. But the element of definition for God in the world that we will use is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God looming above us, not God distantly out of reach, but God with us in the difficult and fragile places. So that's the where. But what is this reign of God? Well, I think it's pretty jarring in its simplicity. I think that maybe Jesus had in the back of his mind in this, in this treatise that he was sharing what Micah says in the sixth chapter, that what God requires of us 
to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. To be in harmony with God, with others, with creation, and with ourselves. You know, for some people, complexity is impressive. I think, you know, no shade, but I think that's why the royal family holds such allure, because everything they do is so complex. You know, stand here, turn here, bow here, lift up here, do X, whatever. Now, you know, I'm glad that Megan has added a little spice to it, hey, but... <laughs> but the reality is that sometimes we see that complexity as impressive, but the reality is maybe it's impressive to some people because in some respects it's unattainable. So the good news is that I'm not talking about a complexity in the, in the context of the reign of God that's distant and unattainable. I'm talking about an intimacy that's available to us now. So the reign of God calls on us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. So all these other things that Jesus is talking about, not to worry about what we have to eat or to drink, He's not saying by any stretch of the imagination to be fatalistic, no. He's saying that in order for all of those things to be in proper sequence and priority, seek first the realm of God and its justice, and then all these things will be added to you. So if I'm about the business of living out the reign of God in the way in which I seek justice and mercy and righteousness for others, then all of these other things fall into place. And it doesn't mean that we won't have things that give us worry, but it means we'll find the mechanism and the vehicle to address and to, to relate to and to tackle those things. So when the realm, when the reign of God is lived on earth, that's when, that is when all people have dignity, when the open table of fellowship is practiced by all, when hierarchy is upended, when all people are treated as beloved by God, then there will be peace and plenty and more than enough for everyone. So, this reign of God is small scale, human scale, not grandiose. This reign of God comes about when we do the work of the realm, when we live out justice and mercy and love, unadulterated, unapologetic, radical love. But you know something? I'm a firm believer that while you can theorize these things, you, you got to feel them too. So, so maybe the third and final element I want us to think about is as we talk about this whole idea of the reign of God and we talk about the presence and the power of God and we talk about the fact that God indeed speaks into the context of our human scale and that indeed God calls us to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. But how does it feel to be wrapped up in that relationship? There's an old hymn we used to sing Safe in God's arms. There was another one that I think we'll hear a little bit more of today, leaning on the everlasting arms. And I like the idea. When I think about the reign of God, I think about a close-in relationship. I think about the idea that 
that there's someone in the power and the presence of the divine who sustains me, who uplifts me, who leads me and guides me and nurtures me even in the midst of my faltering moments. When I think about what it means to trust God for God's presence and God's sustaining and nurturing love, I don't think of a king on a throne seated high. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the movie Moonlight. It's a powerful, powerful movie. And my favorite scene in the movie is when Juan, played by Mahersha Ali, and Little, played by Alex Hibbert, are at the ocean. And Juan takes Little there to teach this little black boy how to swim. Now, here's the thing. God is a very present help in trouble. When the waves might overtake me, when my flagging spirit may cause me to go under, God is there. That's the reign of God that speaks to my life. So there are many things that I would ask of God. I'd, I'd ask God for protection. I'd ask God for guidance. But mostly and foremost, I want God to teach me how to swim. My name is Elise Torelli, Ministry Specialist for Congregational Life, and I am honored to join you today to talk about hospitality. I don't know about you, Middle Church, but any day is a good day for me to be reminded of the goodness of God. As I look around at the devastation, violence, 
and genocide orchestrated by people who look like and worship like me, I am so grateful that I partner with a God who is active in healing, repairing, and nurturing the world. At Middle Church, I am grateful to partner with you. Thank you, Derek, for reminding us that God has our backs and provides what we need. Speaking of provision, of course your financial giving provides what Middle needs to partner with God as they heal the world. But I want to talk to you about time. Time is a scarce commodity in New York City. There never seems to be enough time to do the things we need to do, to get our work done, our errands run, to see friends and family, to take care of our bodies. We New Yorkers move fast, and still, we can't get to all of it. I'm so lucky that my job here includes time to serve God's people, offering hospitality and food justice to all who walk through our doors. I need your help to literally serve God's people. I've heard so many beautiful stories about the ways in which you all feel loved and honored by our hospitality team. How delicious Chef Tim's food is, how warm Philistine, Anna, and George are, how thankful you are that we don't serve burnt Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I love hearing these stories middle, and so I invite you to volunteer on our hospitality team to become a part of these stories. You can serve love and a nutritious meal on Sundays after each worship celebration. You can make sure we all get our caffeine on by making coffee in the mornings. You can help prepare communion on first Sundays, that special meal of bread and cup we serve in the sanctuary that we will all take part in today. You can do all of that with kindness and a smile to make someone's day. It'll only take about an hour of your time, and I'd love to have you on the hospitality team. So, Consider joining our movement of love and justice. After worship, I invite you to come up here and talk to Bertram about membership or to sign up for the hospitality team. And of course, the ushers are coming now to give you an opportunity to fund the ways that love transforms our lives. Thank you.
And if I go into the deepest depths, God knows. So no matter what may come my way, I'm covered by God's love. Even when Satan seems to rage, by God's hand I remain safe.
If you can't, there we go. Thank you. There are many moving parts to worship. We've brought our whole selves today, Holy One. Our sadness and disappointments, 
the beauty we have experienced nonetheless, stolen laughter and kisses, art that filled our souls, answered prayers. Today, do, uh, through our prayers that are both spoken and unspoken, we have brought our yearnings for a world healed for, from oppression, for a nation that is governed by your reign, for the full expression of justice rolling down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. We know your love transforms hearts. It transforms us in our minds and systems and structures. Come, Holy One, and do what you will with us. We break this bread as you broke the bread. This is your broken body, broken for us. We too are your body, sometimes broken, oft times resilient body. We eat remembering you, taking you inside us as you commanded. And we share this cup as you, Jesus, shared the cup with your disciples. This is the cup of your life, poured out for many, poured out for all. It is the cup of the new covenant, the renewed covenant. We drink remembering you, taking you inside us as you commanded. You are welcome to this table just as you are, as you came through the door. Come, eat, drink. Our ushers will help you as we serve. This meal is for you. Thank you. The table is all is ready for us.
be your body. Bless us each to be love and light, so your reign will come on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, please stand and join us in our closing hymn. You can find the words in your bulletin. I was growing up, you could go on for about another 20 minutes. You know I mean? <laughs> I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old things were passed away. And if we but stay the course, if we but aspire to the reign of the loving God who is love personified, if we seek to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with that God, Oh, yes, that new earth, that new existence for all of us shall come about. So go forth from this place, but never from God's presence. God, abide with us. Stand beside us. 
as our companion. Lead us and guide us and always dwell within us. In the name of the one who is indeed our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And let all of those gathered say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go forth.